0: it's official pen to paper miles turner signs his contract extension with the pacers and that's going to lead to so many ripple effects the pacers have to consider with this trade deadline with their big man rotation with free agency this summer with so many things about their team and you know we're talking about all of them today on the locked on pacers podcast
1: you are locked on pacers your daily indiana pacers podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day
0: Welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers as always. My name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and SI. And today we got to hear Kevin Pritchard and Rick Carlisle and Miles Turner talk about the extension. It's official pen, paper. They met today. Miles Turner now. Two-plus more seasons with the Pacers on his current deal. Barring a trade, if you want to hear the instant reaction of what it means, Saturday's podcast is for you. If you want the immediate effects on this team with the trade deadline coming up, yesterday's podcast is for you. And if you want all the ripple effects in one place, well, boy, do we have a lot to get to today because there's a lot of other big men on the Pacers who have a lot more coming their way now. that have other things for the Pacers to consider with less cap space. They're also the 11 seed now. <laughs> they met the salary floor. Free agency is going to be crazy for them this summer. They have a ton of space. We have a lot to talk about. And with me to do that, as I've referred to him, the pod father of Indiana <laughs> Pacers coverage, Dave Searle at Miller Time Pod on Twitter. Longtime Pacers Twitter ambassador leader. I don't know what the right word is. Dave, how you doing? <laughs> I'm,
1: I'm, do, I'm doing all right. I, I, I'm a little emotional because I just watched the, uh, the most recent uh, Last of Us episode. I don't know if you've been watching the show. Is a little bit of a tearjerker, and so um, kind of uh, recovering from that. And you're you're a good person to uh, lift my spirits a little bit, talking <laughs> about Miles Turner getting the extension. Pretty Dave, excited. The first,
0: the first question I have to ask you about this extension is: if you yeah. got sixty million dollars, what would your first pur- <laughs> what would your first purchase be?
1: Um. Oh, this is so boring. I get like a house. I guess
0: new bike. <laughs> yeah. Oh, bike, I- I off your house.
1: Yeah. I just I just got a new bike, and so okay. I think that even if I was suddenly uh, crazy rich, I think my wife would still kill me if I bought a bike. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it would have to be a house.
0: <laughs> so many ripple effects to any big decision made with the team, but especially when it's one of your two, three, whatever best players, you sign them, they're no longer a flight risk to leave in free agency. Your core is locked up. Of the Pacers' rotation, only O'Shaber sets on an expiring deal. Like A lot is locked in for the Pacers by doing this. There's a lot of ripple effects that come out from a move like this with Turner getting a bunch more money this year and, of course, extending on to his deal. And I would say that, you know, I've called this a win-win a lot, right? Mm-hmm. Turner wins. He gets his money. Pacers win. They get him on a good contract. They meet the salary floor. And I say win-win among the two parties involved in the transaction because there are losers and those losers are the rest of the Pacers big men in their current situation because, you know, Jalen Smith, Isaiah Jackson, Daniel Tice, even Terry Taylor, Goga, right? Maybe they thought at some point more minutes could be coming or that they could have upward mobility with their playing time. Now there's a lot of guys competing for not a lot of minutes, not only for the rest of this season, but potentially in future seasons. And I think that is the loser. If you had to name one, besides the 29 other teams that might want to trade for Miles Turner, um, <laughs> the loser of this exchange. And I, I'm very curious first, what you think and also where the Pacers will go with those other players.
1: Yeah. Well, I, like you said, win, win. I, this was one of the most kind of interesting um, negotiations. I think that we've kind of seen in a while mm-hmm. in the NBA, kind of where Miles Turner was at, where the Indiana Pacers were at. Um, I think that when you look at trying to keep, say, Paul George, for long term, there's no negotiation with money. It's just it's a it's as much as you can give. That's the end of the story, and it's just a question of whether or not they buy into the franchise. Uh, obviously, with Miles Turner, there is no real chance of him getting a complete max contract, and so you know when money is a very real uh, negotiating point, uh, that makes it a little bit more complicated. But even more complicated from the fact is, I think that Miles Turner. And the Pacers and the coaches and the fans and everybody else seemed to all believe that Miles Turner had a lot more to offer. Everybody thought that Miles Turner had more to offer, and um, you know, this is a guy that kind of came out of um, high school like he was like a number two overall prospect, number four overall prospect. And you know, um, I don't know if anybody at this point thought he was going to be a uh, you know a perennial All NBA player going forward. But still, it's like it's just there's always more there. Everybody thought that. And so the question for Turner, I, I think a lot of people had made the speculation, is he happy in Indiana? Um, whether that's the franchise, whether that's the coaching, whether that's a situation. I really think he was just trying to find a place that he was going to be the best version of himself. And whatever was stopping that from happening um, was ha- was happening. And I think that he was maybe coming to into the season with the attitude of, that could be here. That could be somewhere else. I don't care. It's not about, like, you, Rick Carlisle. It's not about you, Kevin Pritchard. It's not about teammates. It's not about the fact that Sabonis was here. It's not about being in part of Trade Room. It's just, I just want to be somewhere where I'm the fully realized version of myself. And so, um, one thing that, I you know, I think it's a tremendous amount of credit here goes to Tyrese Halliburton, I think. Because, you know, he has been able to be a huge part of unlocking my, uh, Miles Turner's biggest potential kind of on the offensive end. But still, it's only been a little bit. You know, it's only been a few months that we've really kind of seen Miles Turner have this uh, A, this level of play and this consistency. So how do you negotiate that? And obviously, his agent's going to say, okay, this is him forever, and so it'll pay up. And then the team might be saying, like, okay, this is great, but how do we know that this is the Miles Turner we're going to get every single year going forward? And so I just imagine they came to a table saying, hey, guys like me, get makes $30 million a year. I want $30 million a year. And the Pacers might say – I don't know if we've quite seen enough and I just wish we had another year to kind of uh, wait it out before we had to negotiate the contract. So I really think it was brilliant when they had a, the front loaded amount of money because they're not going to use that catch this year anyway. So it's sort of monopoly money to everybody. If, if your name, last name isn't Simon, it's just whatever, might as well give it to Miles Turner now. And then key, and then that gives Miles Turner the huge pay raise that he wants. And then at the same time, the Pacers want like two more years of the clock of him at the same salary slot, and they both got it. And so uh, was, I thought it was genius. I mean, it was, uh, when I looked at the terms of the contract, I'm like, that's it. That's how you solve the problem of, of the potential uh, versus the length of time versus the we need to add more talent, for all the th- needs that go into it. It was the genius contract, I really thought, and something that really, really worked well for both sides. It was really something special. So that was pretty cool. And a really quick note, because I know that we've heard from Rick Carlisle, hey, we're not trading this guy. Obviously, if they sign them to a deal like that to match salaries with Westbrook, they do it right before the trade. I mean, like, they wouldn't just do this now and then, like, hope that something help works. They don't out
0: have there. to match salaries, they can just yeah. take them into space.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. Of, of course, there's that. Um, right. But, you know, when people saw that number, I think a lot of people jumped to that uh, point, but it, I never did. It never even occurred to me that that could be the reason, A, because of what you mentioned, but B, because it's just genius the way that this uh, met everyone's priorities and, and, and um, the way that they both needed to do. And now they've got an extremely good number going forward. Like you said, they've, they've got Capron. So uh, we can talk more about the impact of that Capron later, but you want to talk about the rotation. You know, I think it's really just sort of a Lord of the fly situation with the rest of the Pacers (laughs) big men right now. And it's like someone show me who's going to do this for real. Like we've seen flashes. We've seen good games. Everybody's got different kinds of games that they can bring to the table. Who's going to do it consistently? Um, I've heard this sort of thought about Goga uh, for years where, Oh, he's not getting consistent playing time. If he got it every single uh, game, night in night out he would develop a lot better it's me i am i am the that well okay so but so tony here here's a question like what's an example of a player who was kind of stuck on a bench either because of the coach's choice or because of just like a squeeze in playing time and wasn't like killing it when he got minutes that wasn't just like whoa this guy's like jumping off the page He just can't you know there's just not enough minutes in the rotation but holy cow this guy's good this guy that just didn't cook kind of okay when he played but went to another team got tons of minutes didn't look great at first but through sheer force of playing time on a team that allowed him to do it developed into a very good player like what are you know what i mean like it doesn't I've won. Feel like that happens very much go ahead i've
0: What's won that? same yeah. draft class as goga actually uh bowl bowl
1: okay okay bowl bowl is one it, it, but do you, you think that that it's is- not
0: common you are right it is not common but, the, but if- the evidence i would give for the case for Goga is one him saying it which i have to you know, <laughs> if he says that i have to give yeah. some thought to it but two last year after the, the all-star break he was good yeah like for the for the last two months of the season when he played outside of his ankle injury when he played he, he was he was good right like yeah. that made me think that he is onto something that when he knows his role, when he knows the guys he's going to be with, all that stuff, it's easier to prep mentally. Now, here's the thing: the fact that you're not able to be that guy on a at the drop of a hat is bad, right? That's a negative trait. But still, yeah. I think there is something to that. Either way, though, yeah, like even with the team now, there, there's just no minutes for him. So that's a yeah. negative.
1: that's just my that's just my piece about that. I'm not saying well, that I think you're, don't you're approve, but it's just the idea of somebody through just sheer repetition of game, you know, he's got practice. I mean, the most right. of the basketball that he plays is not on an NBA court uh, under the lights on TV, you know, like anyway, I, I feel like people would, you, you would be hearing him about him just dominating practice. If he was that kind of guy, <laughs> kind of situation. sure. So, but you know, it's um, I don't know how seriously anybody in the Pacers rotation really thought, um, you know, miles Turner was going to go. And I'm going to have a huge role and we've developed from there. Obviously that isn't going to happen. Um, You know, I guess with Goga and uh, with, with Jalen, I mean, they don't have that much time left with them um, if they don't resign them. Of course Um, kind of makes you naturally almost think that uh, maybe Jackson is the one that ends up surviving just by sheer fact of of that. They'll have team control of him for another, what uh, five, six, seven years, something like that. If they want to, um, I think that that's a kind of a, a fairly big Trump card. Of course, it could do the same with Goga. Yep. Um, someone's going to get squeezed out, but, you know, I, I feel like Rick Carl is going to be one of those coaches that says the guy who just is flawlessly does every def- a defensive uh, coverage throughout an entire game is going to get the minutes the next time. And then just someone's going to emerge from there. Um, I don't know, um, but I do think that I feel like Jackson's my favorite of, of, of the group and the one that I think that will be, kind of the most permanent part of the Pacers rotation long-term. But I don't really see, I don't know about you, I don't see any of those guys as an ideal starter for any team long-term. Would you agree with that? Maybe, Jackson. Hey, let's
0: take one short little break so I can talk to you about FanDuel. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Lockdown because they're the number one sportsbook in America, FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. Download FanDuel now so you can bet Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet. You'll get $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel lets you bet on anything from the money line to the point spread to who will score a touchdown. Anything could be fun for this Chiefs-Eagles game. Mahomes to score the first touchdown could be fun. And the FanDuel Sportsbook app is safe, secure, super easy to use, and best of all, you can get paid your winnings instantly. So join FanDuel today at fanduel.com slash locked on to claim your no sweat first bet on Super Bowl fifty seven. That's fanduel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sports book of the NFL. That is a good question. Um yeah, you know, the the like can can Isaiah Jackson be Robert Williams? Yeah, I think that's possible in his future, but none of the rest, I don't think. Um yeah. And I think team control is a big part of it. And, look, if you rank them by talent, you could get some various orders. Like, Daniel Tice is, like, you know, he's not a part of their future. We don't have to spend too much time on him. But sure. um, the other thing with Jackson versus Smith, and, and look, I've never actually asked anyone about this, but Jake Fisher of Yahoo Sports now reported at the time when they made the Tory Craig for Jalen Smith trade that, like, the Pacers were, like, kind of looking for a home for Jalen Smith at the time, didn't really find one. They drafted Isaiah Jackson, right? Like, that is – that means something, too, when they would – rank their investments of these guys. So I don't know how exactly they would rank it, but I like you would probably put Jackson the highest, but yeah, like they're already right now. I don't know if it's matchup based, if it's how this is, how the strategy is, but they're just alternating Isaiah game, Jalen game, Isaiah game, Jalen game. <laughs> and now as Scott Agnes reports like Daniel Tice could be <laughs> available on Thursday. Like, what do you do? How do you decide? What, what does this make sense for? And I don't yeah, want to, I don't want to give every argument for every player right now, But I think that is something that you could see potentially settled before February 9th or at least into the offseason of, you know, evaluate these big, see who makes the most sense with your team, because now, you know, you don't have a lot of time to offer these guys.
1: Yeah, I was going to say the Tice thing definitely feels like a trade deadline's coming. We want to find you at home. Let's give you let's give you a couple games and make sure that the rest of the NBA knows that you can still play. If you're healthy. Uh, you, you're still healthy. You can rebound. You can do the stuff that you're going to do. And then, so we'll just try to find you at home one way or another, whether that's just a straight up dump for whatever it ends up being. Um, I, i I assume that the Pacers will do the, um, him a solid, uh, by the trade deadline, um, or cut him, you know, kind of do the Tristan Thompson thing with him. Um, and just give him a little bit of play and then end up cutting him loose so that, so he has a, a somewhere to go. I, I can't imagine it's any more than that, but, um, I kind of like it in a way. I don't see a lot of rhyme or reason as to what big man's getting uh, the the call at any given time. It really just honestly feels like everybody gets a turn and the first one to truly impress is going to be the one to grab a hold of it. And uh, I don't think that's a terrible approach. No, I'm with you.
0: I think that's what wound up happening. And look, like this season was kind of supposed to be about that in general for every player on the team, right? Which one of these young guys is going to pop and look like they're a Mm -hmm. part of this team? Oh, Look. Aaron Nismith is like, awesome. This is great. This is like a piece for your team. Like that is, that can be micro applied to the big men. And I think we'll see that as the season progresses, let's move on to ripple effect. Number two, as a cap dork, I got to say, this one is perhaps the most interesting to me. Pacers could have uh, a lot. I'm not going to guess any specific numbers because they could make trades Uh, or stuff could change, but a lot of cap room this summer, right? Like as it stands with three draft picks, like high 30s 40 million max space right a lot of cap space and i don't think they're going to sign a max player at this stage of their rebuild but that's a lot of money and that was partially possible now because turner's cap hold was higher than his new salary for next season's going to be and i don't know exactly what they're going to do but that's a lot of space and it's it's more with turner settle and i'm curious what they'll do with it because i was saying this i I think i said this to you in a chat last summer but i said this to a lot of people last last summer a lot of people were saying this is the most important offseason in pacers franchise history and i think that was actually people saying this is the most important draft and just generalizing the offseason which that's partially true it was a very important draft i think this coming offseason is one of the most important in pacers franchise history because after next year tyrese halliburton salary goes Way up, way yeah. up, and you already have Turner locked up, and then you don't have a lot of time before Matherin's expensive day is coming. Yeah. You don't have a lot of time right. to use mm-hmm. this space to build your team. Like, this could be the last, depending on how they make moves and operate, this could be the last summer it's possible. So, any more room you can get is very valuable, and I'll be curious now that they have a little more flexibility, what that allows them to do.
1: Yeah, and exactly. You know, it's always kind of about timing, and you know, I don't um, necessarily like. Thinking that much about like which player is getting paid a certain amount. And sometimes those conversations can get weird. But it's for moments like this: when you go into a summer, you have a lot of talent, you end up drafting a new player, you have picks to trade, they have all the picks that they have, they have extra picks. Uh, they have basically someone that they can spare in every position that is making a cheap salary. They have a tremendous opportunity to make basically any move that they can imagine. Um, they are. A little bit you mentioned not maybe going out and signing a max player uh you mentioned maybe timing but it's also just that there's not really that much out there that is the right fit uh, i suppose i yep. can sign james harden uh, you know like but you know, it's really just uh i Get mean out like, of here no <laughs> middleton's the only good fit but of course he's in his uh, early 30s and probably happy with the bugs you know like you kind of go down a list and really the most likely targets like jeremy grants or something so it's like okay i mean i really think that if they make a move and they should make a move, um, the, the move should be someone like Duarte or uh, even Newsmith or Nebhard, or somebody who is young, somebody who has a little bit um, uh, less money, maybe even pairing a couple of them. And then using that extra cap space to absorb somebody who is maybe making a little bit too much, or maybe it's just on a team that's a little bit capped out, um, and has somebody that they have to move on from. This isn't the target I have in mind, but the the archetype of the type of person would be like a John Collins situation, you know, like so a team wants to maybe move him uh, with oh, some. Wow, motivation. I was thinking aiming way higher. What's that? Oh no, no, no. Well, you I know, was, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, I, the, the, it, that's the next one. You know, obviously, it's like kind of the most more realistic sort of <laughs> version sure. of it. You know, it's like if they can say take Duarte and turn it into a guy who could be a long-term starter who's under contract for three years or so is still relatively young that fits a position of need and absorb him into that space and then another team sees that as a, you know a pre- fairly cheap way to get rid of some contract and like, okay, we get duarte maybe you could do a few minutes like a move like that could work and they have a versatility to do something like that almost like a TJ Warren kind of special you know <laughs> sure, t- I'll yeah. absor- absorb some money like that could be very valuable. but like you said, could be an opportunity to aim a little bit higher. That's when uh, talk starts really getting ambitious. But you know they have the opportunity. If I don't even know who that is, it, who's the unhappy superstar? I don't know who is, is the one that's on, the, on on the chopping block, but. Um, I don't even mean a star.
0: When I, I said aiming higher, I think I was projecting that I'm not the highest on John Collins.
1: Which, no. Yeah. <laughs> you're <laughs> nagging John Collins. I told you. I'm not saying that guy specifically. It's just he's in it's just you know, he's he's in the kind of like the, the slot cycle. I get what you're saying. Yes. His age and you know, it's it, and the fact that he's under contract for a few years. Um yes. I'm sure OG is the name that every a lot of people are going to sort of have on on their uh, their uh, minds when they hear something like that. But um, because I do understand this correctly, that the Pacers, if they really, really, really wanted to, could take all their 2023 picks into one package and add picks starting with 2025, correct? And then do the every other year sort of thing. If they wanted to, they can get a pretty large package. I but I just don't know. In if huge. I don't know if anybody's out there right now and I can't even think of who would be the person that is disgruntled enough and in a bad enough situation and towards um, close enough to the end of a contract to really want to do it. Um, But I do think that they are more plausibly in that conversation than they typically would be. I mean, like, I think undeniably the opportunity to play with Tyrese Halliburton has got to be something that is very appealing to people. Um, If you wanted to talk it up and get people excited and say, look, Miles Turner was talented and he was rudderless, you know, they shopped him for years and they couldn't trade him. Not because they couldn't dump him from nothing, but it's just to get anywhere close to what they thought his talent level was like, no team was willing to put that on the table. And now he's a guy who got this awesome extension is probably going to get even more money. And a huge part of that really is Tyrese Halliburton unlocking that, that could be you, you know, and and then you've got Mather with him too. You've got the defensive center, I, this does seem like, at least from a winning perspective, Rick Carlisle's coach, I mean, that's a pretty attractive situation. And so um, they have a a better chance than they think kind of ever have of plausibly making somebody who is really trying to aim for the top of the NBA happy to be able to add to that core. Because, I, you know, if I was not a Pacers fan at all, but saw – the backcourt that they have and the center they have and the cap situation that they have and all the assets they have is like, man, you put a two-way wing in there and that's going to be a really, 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 really good team for a long time. And that's pretty enticing.
0: Now imagine the added scenario where they get said wing and then they renegotiate and extend that player too. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. <laughs> just, yeah, you know, but, but event like it doesn't, it maybe doesn't have to be next summer. Cause it's not going to be ridiculously expensive the following year but they don't have a lot of time, right? They don't have a lot of time before it's like... Uh, you you can't have cheap young players forever, right? Like, that is right. the the crux of the situation. So at some point, this added space has to be used in some way. And if it's adding a big salary that you can then use in a trade to get a big salary later, that's still important and valuable, right? So Absolutely. I'll be curious how they end up using this extra space this summer. And it's, it's impossible to say how much they'll have. Like, people have asked me about it because I tweeted my sheet. I did this to myself, but it's like between the picks that they have, moves they could make in the next nine days, right? And this has been talked about a lot. Like, they can't they can't feasibly make all the picks that they'll even own. <laughs> they only have three expiring contracts on the team. Like, they're bound to make enough changes that it's yeah. not worth predicting what the number is going to be. But it is worth saying it's going to be a lot, and it is possible to say it's six million higher than it was two days ago. Yeah. So that's the second thing I think is a big ripple effect on this Turner thing. Number three, I kind of topic this a little yesterday, and we kind of covered it in our beginning thing, how does this shift their trade deadline planning? I wouldn't say it does that much. I'm not going to lie. I think that they go from long-term planning to definitely long-term planning with a little more skew of maybe being willing to take not less, but just like not the awesomest package ever for a big that someone offers you something for, but it it, it wouldn't change too much to me. Like I think the stretch without Halliburton has been revealing in a way that, you know, their plan was already solidified. And now that they have a big man locked up for two years, Plus, the rest of this year, it, the long-term approach continues to be the best way to go.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously, the biggest impact would be if they go to the negotiating table for the final time, and then uh, you know Turner's agent gives them uh, the double birds. Then you know that would <laughs> be a very different trade deadline. So obviously, that is a, a, a potentially a very big um, impact sure. um, of that. But um, outside of that, no, I don't think so. I wouldn't say that this signals them as. I've maybe seen a few fans kind of ask about like are they going like in now like are they going to try to get more wind now pieces and really go for it? No, I, I, don't, I don't think, think so, so at all. Yeah. No. Um unless I will
0: I will add the caveat that I did yesterday, unless that win now piece happens to be under contract for a long time. So they could sell that this is a long-term piece. But yes, I get what you're saying.
1: <laughs> Yo, yeah. No, for sure. Yeah, no, it's definitely not a we have to do that now because of the amount of salary that we have, and we have like a three-year window with Miles Turner. I mean, this is – I really think that this contract is an audition for a truly long-term deal with Miles Turner with the Indiana Pacers, and, of course, we'll see kind of how that ends up playing out. Um, If they're right, Miles Turner is very good, by the way, if they needed to trade him $20 million on the last year while he's still in his 20s, is an insanely good thing to have to deal if they have to do that, yeah. which is another thing that's kind of uh, worth noting. But no, I, I, I don't think so. Um, I think that you know, um, because of the amount of space that they'll have this summer and the security with Miles Turner, I do think that if the Pacers were thinking of let's get that semi-young guy that a team needs to get rid of and lock it in, maybe we wait until the of uh, the summer to do it. A because of all the different uh, uh, flexibility that we would have um At that particular time, but knowing that Miles Turner is locked in, we can wait. And now let's just let the rest of the season kind of slide along, which I, I th- th- your thoughts on this, I'm not 100% sure what they will do. I know that Tyrese burton says that he's maybe coming back in, um, in early February. I feel like that's a little bit of a I can play in the All Star game kind of situation. He should be uh, picked for it, and he'll end up, if he hmm. gets on the court and plays. I was curious if they would kind of like, Oh, it's still sore. I got to wait another week. Kind of like stretch out the injuries a little bit as the season progresses in order to maybe get a little bit better draft position. Do you think that that's something the Pacers would try to massage um, at the end of the season? Or do you think that they are going to, as, oh, as long uh, as when it comes to the guys in the building, go all out to try to win as many games to the rest of the season? The latter, the latter. Yeah. I think so. Uh,
0: yep. It, it, let the chips fall where they may. If you make the plan, you make the plan, but they, they've lost 10 of 11. They're in 11th right now. Like that's another bullet point that we're kind of covering at the same time right now. Like, you know, part of their deadline planning can no longer be where it was when they were 23 and 18 at the halfway point. It's like, Hey, we're in sixth. Like if we just get Jay Crowder on this team for a little give up, like sweet, we got our young guys, all this playoff experience. That was great. Like that is completely not possible now. And that would be stupid, but I do. Yeah. I mean, to me, uh, I said this already on the show, but like a lot of this season was about evaluation, right? Mm-hmm. How does how does X, Y, Z, whatever list of players fit with what we're trying to do, fit with what our best players are and all that stuff. And you can't evaluate if the players aren't playing, you know, and I get that maybe having a better pick is more valuable than that evaluation. In fact, it's pretty easy to argue that that is true, yeah. but I don't think that that's necessarily what the thing thinking is. I think it's more so. <laughs> We yeah. have, you know, let the chips fall where they may. We were, they were, I mean, they were good, good until yeah. Tyrese's injury. So I think it will be more of the latter. I, I'm guessing based off of his Instagram caption and the fact that they play his former team on Friday, that uh, he, he will, he will have a, he will try to play this yeah. week if he can. But that is a guess.
1: Yeah. I mean, we'll see and if they, if the Pacers were to do something like that, I think it would be basically contained to, I guess what we would call the big three now (laughs) with Halliburton, Matherin and Turner. Like if any one of those guys had any sort of issue, it might be like, let's just be cautious. Yeah. Let's give you a little bit extra rest. That's what I'm talking about. Not like Mather going to miss shots, you know, but it might be,
0: um, I guess part of evaluating a player is evaluating their fit with those guys. Isn't it right?
1: That's that's true. The fit with the guys, that would be the, the most, the primary argument. (laughs) I guess the other thing would be like, you know what? Well, you'll play with two of them, maybe um, uh, as yeah. much as possible, yeah. and um, we know what we got with those guys. We don't need to evaluate them anymore; they're good. So, you know, if, if they gotta miss <laughs> an extra week, then we'll, we'll we will be okay. I wouldn't be surprised to see a little bit more of that. I would thought that it would have happened with Halliburton, but I think that he wants to play in the All Star game. I, I would too, man. I'd be really excited. That's first time, right? Um, yeah, first
0: one, looking great. Stick it to some people.
1: Really? The way way he's playing, I think it just seems like one of those things where he's going to be in the next like seven.
0: Yeah. They host it next year. I mean, that would be awesome for Indy to have that. Um, You know what I I thought of the other day? You you remember when when Donovan Mitchell was trying to win Rookie of the Year and Ben Simmons was in his rookie year, second year hybrid nebulous thing? And Donna Mitchell wore the shirt that said "Rookie?" question mark or something like that. I can't remember. <laughs> yeah. I think
1: vaguely, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: If Hal Burton's an All Star, he should wear a shirt that says "Wanna Be?" question mark to the All Star. Outrageously funny. <laughs> yeah. Perfect concept.
1: That would be pretty funny. It's it's that though thing is so great because like Wally Zerbeek is like the perfect guy to pick on, and I it just seemed like. I was less insulted by that, him saying that, so to speak. I mean, like, well, I, you know, he's talking, not talking about me, but I. it just seemed more awkward than anything else when he kind of said it. Like he was trying to force a Skip Bayless thing that he doesn't really have. And so it was pretty funny to see him apologize for it because I kind of felt like it was one of those, I'm going to try out something. Like you wore like a shirt that you wouldn't normally wear and everybody kind of <laughs> stares at you and you're like, ah, uh, it's going back at the closet. You'd like take it off at lunch. I just kind of feel like it was one of those. Uh, I, I don't think he. I don't even think he likes hearing that coming off uh, the tongue. But we won't hear anything <laughs> like that from Wallet anymore. The funniest part was all these people being like, what, "Who is he to say this?" Well, Zerbeck was an all-star. He was an all-star. <laughs> yeah, it's I, I didn't, I had no interest in defending him. You know, but it's just like he was pretty good. Like, was, good, was, yeah. let's calm down. You know, it's people are going to say the same. Well, I guess they're probably already saying um, uh, the uh, the same thing about uh, Mike Dunleavy. It was kind of a similar yeah. situation. It's like not going to change anyone's life, but he was good. I mean, like he was a productive NBA wing man. Put right. put some respect on Wally's name now that that's all pretty much washed over. <laughs> If anything,
0: if it was a motivator, you know, when I asked Albert about it, he said that tweets from people with two followers motivate him. So he, <laughs> if it motivated him in any way, then it'll it be a fun. I think that'll be a fun story in, you know, three or four years if he's a two, you know, two or three time all star at that time being like, so how did Wally Zerbeak like change your career?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do kind of see that as like uh, something that he'll have a good humor about it with. Although I do like that Halliburton's just like, you want to talk about it? It's like, nope. <laughs> Yeah. Well, he look.
0: I, I said uh, sorry. We'll get back to turn everybody. Tyrese <laughs> Alberton, like in every setting or like every question I ask him, he just kind of gets it right. Like yeah. he understands what he needs to be in that moment or how you know. I, I just that's so impressive for a 22 year old. And That's such like a, yes. a weird quality to like see in someone. You know what I mean? But like,
1: yeah, it's it's it's, it's got to be hard because I feel like a lot of people uh uh people that come to the age, come into the league at his age. Kind of do I mean, like, I think that being a young high schooler, young college player and then becoming a millionaire and becoming very famous and, you know, and then specifically in that kind of world would be very bizarre. I think, you know, a lot of people go through fame and it, it turned into either a different person or kind of even don't know how to act because it's got to be really strange to be on that side of the camera. But uh, no, he has a, it seems to have an extremely intuitive feel for what will work, what won't, and um, it seems to be translated really well to obviously – his play on the court, you know, like how good he is at keeping people involved and keeping people fed with the ball, but also from, from a personality perspective, it's, it doesn't seem um, very plausible when people talk about that, how he's keeping people involved emotionally when he's talking to him on the team bus and all of that. Obviously we're not a part of that sort of thing, but you can just sort of like feel that energy from the team. It's really remarkable to watch. I don't know from that perspective, I don't know how much, many comps I have from Pacers fandom and somebody that was this talented and this good it's um such a strange experience a to get a guy like that via trade and also you know he he was picked in the teens I think it's it, it, every week that goes by and every week that he does cooler stuff it's cooled off a little bit because of his injury but the more time that goes by you see more and more people uh, picking that up and talking it up and I think that it'll probably maybe be next year before it's truly normalized. I think if the Pacers yeah. are a truly a playoff team, but um, man, it's just, he's, 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 he's good. Is he the most talented uh, player to put on a Pacers uniform? What do you think Tony at this age?
0: Will he be? Oh, at this age. At this age? Um, I think maybe. it's an interesting question. I, I think
1: it might be, even last year when he was on a hot streak, seemed a little sharp, but now maybe, when did they,
0: how old was J.O. when they got him? 21, I think. Third year in
1: the league.
0: He was 22 in his first 22. year. With the so, yeah, he turned, J.O. turned 23, the same thing that Halberton does this season. Okay. Uh, in his first all-star year with the Pacers, fittingly enough. But I, I was too young to really know, I guess, but. I get the sense that Halberton's a little better, but that is just again my sense. I don't. I was too young to know. Yeah, it's that's uh, the best comp I would say, though, right? I mean,
1: well, I mean, even like, like, me Paul, two years Paul years George is very good at a very young age. You know, he came into to the league uh, pretty young as well. Um, I know it took him. He ramped up pretty quickly year after year, and it wasn't maybe till his third year that he that he really truly started to take off. But um, uh, you know, especially with his um, defensive ability. Uh, yeah, you might have give him the edge in there. And of course, I mean Reggie was good right off of the bat. Um Chuck Verson was good when he first came first into Smith. the league, you know. So he's probably too old. What's that?
0: Smith was probably too old. Um yeah. Well, we might have to revisit this conversation in two years when yeah. Benedict Matherin is 22.
1: <laughs> that's that's the other thing. It's um, you know, it's uh it's real interesting to see what what, what will become of him and um I do like the decision to kind of keep uh, uh, bringing him off the bench. Um, I love the idea that he is getting so many reps without Halliburton to kind of make stuff on his own, and then have them converge together. Uh, it seems like a really uh, awesome plan, and I like that how much uh, Matherin has bought into it.
0: Agreed. Uh, to tie this Halliburton stuff back to Turner, the first question we so to for listeners who feel like they watch the pressure and don't know what I'm talking about the Pacers did the press conference and then we get like Kevin Pritchard and Miles Turner, like in a little media scrum off to the side. That's not broadcast. So the first question I asked Kevin Pritchard in that setting was, if you had to name like your rank, your number one thing, like this was what made you want to do this Turner extension. He said, quote, I saw something in games between Ty and miles that I thought could be really special, right? Like the Halliburton fit is already a huge part of this. And you know, the reporting was that Halbert was involved in the eight in pursuit. We already talked about that, but you know, it's like, like he is the franchise right now. So, locking up a player like Turner who fits well with him certainly matters. Uh, we have to get back to Miles Turner because that is the topic of the show. I think there's only one more kind of thing I would talk about, and that's Turner's market shift or tradeability through the rest of this. Completely shifts because his deal is now probably a small, an equally small percentage of the cap next season. Uh, I don't think they'll be looking to trade him at all and, and <laughs> peek behind the curtain for a lot of people this deal is so interesting the fact that it's tradable right now i have a lot of like people like one off i send random questions to about the salary cap if i don't i can usually get an answer but if i need clarity i ask i had to use every single resource i had and we were <laughs> we were reading the real cba and sending each other blurbs like is this it is this it is, is this the rule I, it was nuts i've i've never been more confused in my life uh, <laughs> they're not they're not going to trade them this season but either way his deal is extremely tradable. The next two years, I do a little bit hate that, you know, whatever, two years from now I'll have to be having a lot of the same conversations I had this season about, well, they could extend him. They could do this. But, um, yeah, he, he's probably a little more tradable now than he was 48 hours ago. So that's good news for the Pacers as well. I think that's the last big change I want to talk about because the other two we've you know, unintentionally covered in other ways.
1: Well, but do you think that this was more complicated to figure out than I remember we talk, uh, us talking about the potential – Options for re-signing Jalen Smith. I feel like that was more complicated.
0: (laughs) Uh, That was tricky because different rules applied to different teams. That was yeah,
1: that was tricky. Yeah, Yeah. for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah. That yeah, and that one would have been the same thing. Where I was like, you know, if they sign him to a one plus one, like we're gonna have the exact same conversation next year because they'll be limited again. Not the case in reality, but like that's what with Turner, it's like we'll have a lot of same conversations in two years, but we'll also know a lot more about the Pacers and Miles Turner than we do right now in two years. So, and you know that doesn't matter. It's just,
1: yeah, yeah. You know, with Smith and with Turner um, and uh, with other moves that we've seen, like taking on T.J. Warren for cash, it's really awesome that the Pacers continue to get really creative with these sort of moves, and that's another reason why I'm excited that they freed up uh, so much cap space uh, that. I feel like they're going to do something with it that we haven't anticipated. You know, it'd be really easy to go and just sign the best player you could with all the money that you have and just sort of figure it out from there. But like they're my, they're going to do something weird with it. I bet, you know, something strange. <laughs> they're going to do some crazy maneuver. You're going to be looking up the CBA again and try to figure out what was legal, and what wasn't. And um, they'll, they'll do something with it. I don't know what it is, but they'll do something. with
0: it. <laughs> yeah. They, and they even have a little to use now, right? Like it's not much, it's, you know, yeah somewhere between yeah. the high eights and the high tens of millions. Like, you could do something clever with that this sure. season. You, you look, look, I'm not uh, suggesting anything or putting together a fake trade, but, like, you throw Daniel Tice at a team, and all of a sudden you could take back, like, $16 million in salaries. Like, that could help some team clear a bunch of money or tax money or something like that. And, oh, look, the Suns need to clear some tax money, and Dario Saric makes about as much as could fit in. That is the only fake trade I will ever say yeah. ever <laughs> yeah. uh, on this show. I just did it. Anyway, pick,
1: pick up a second to uh, to absorb someone's dead weight and get a rotational right. big. I mean, like, you know, that I would would not be surprised at all to see that uh, come out to fruition at the deadline.
0: Yeah, I agree. Uh, is there any other impacts of this Turner extension you would like to discuss or just general thoughts on it? Because I have kind of dictated all the discussion today.
1: Um, I, I, I think that it's really cool for Turner. You know, I, I know that it's got to be hard. It's his eighth year in the league. You know, and I think that there hasn't been, you know, this optimism early on in his contract as he continued to develop and he didn't quite get over the hump, had some inconsistencies, had seasons where he comes out of the gate and scores 30 points, he gets 15 rebounds, he gets seven blocks, he just has this nuts game, and then the next game he gets like two points. And like how many times have we seen that go back and forth? How many times have we seen the Pacers? and the fans especially, a large chunk of fans constantly harping about rebounding or consistency or not really getting in there. Um, It's been just rocky for a long time and never feeling at sure footing. He's sure to be a Pelican this season. He's sure to be on the Lakers this other season. I mean, just constant inconsistency and all of that happens while you're just not the player that you truly want to be. Game in, game out. Seven years of that—that's a long time. Yeah, I mean, think about where the Pacers were when he was drafted, versus you know, this is a guy that was supposed to be maybe like a sidekick to Paul George, and now Frank
0: Vogel was their coach. <laughs> <laughs> I think year.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, he's he was, he was his. Uh, you know, it's 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 wild, and so uh, you know, it's a long time coming, and I feel like he's finally a little bit settled. It's not hundred yep. percent. I'm sure that he would love to be right now inking a, a max extension and going on to another era, getting paid, all that sort of stuff. It's not hundred percent there, but it's a huge chunk of money. He's finally really getting paid like a true uh, center. Um, I think has a very solidified role with here, an awesome partner. And like, that's just got to feel good. I mean, it's, it's one thing to go in and work hard. And like in your second year, you have a breakout and to have kind of a breakout in your eighth year It's just got to feel really satisfying. So I'm I'm happy with it. It's got to be a really good feeling. And I'm glad that they anointed that now with this contract extension out of the blue instead of agonizing all the way through the deadline. And then nothing happens. And then you don't know it. And then like it could have dragged on for a very long time. Cool to see it happen. And I'm happy for the guy. It's been a long journey. I'm glad to see him continue on the Pacers uh, uh, uniform. And I'm glad to get at least a few more uh, years out of the shirt. (laughs)
0: <laughs> for those not watching on YouTube, Dave is wearing a, let's see, 2018 Miles Turner shirt. It doesn't matter what it is. I'm only going off the Nike logo instead of the other stuff. But
1: anyway, yeah, um, obviously. Oh, and, and this was a shirt that by the way, I got like for probably like eight dollars in one of those off seasons where it looked like it was for sure he was gonna get traded. <laughs> for real. It was just like, yeah. oh, he's out of here. We're gonna we gotta get rid of all the Miles Turner merch. I was trying to think
0: of the best like lead to talk about how long he's been with the Pacers because someone asked me who's the last first round pick they had that signed three contracts, right? Yeah. Three is a lot. And like Danny Granger didn't right. You, you'd think maybe him, Paul George didn't right. No one else was really good enough for it. Uh, it, is it Rick Smith? Is it someone in the nineties that I'm forgetting? Like it's been a while either way. So that's a big deal. Uh, another way you could talk about how long his journey's been with this team is the one I just said, Vogel was his coach <laughs> as a rookie, which is crazy. Um, Uh, the thing that we brought up with miles when we were in media, people were joking about today. Remember pushing P this ain't P and all that stuff that, that happened.
1: (laughs) Oh yeah. A lot of cryptic tweets.
0: We got through Um, that. Uh, and then when, um, he, the glorified role player comments, right? We, we all made it through the discourse around that stuff. And like, now he's settled. And he, the thing that sticks with me is a lot of times he said, I feel like I'm only scratching the surface of my potential. And a lot of fans just kind of rolled their eyes. and like, dude, you're in your seventh year. But he was right. He, he, yeah. he, he was right. The role that he said he could do this in, he did it in. And I think that's very impressive.
1: Yeah, and you know, I think that a big key to that was it seemed to me he always envisioned it as a lot of it with the ball in his hands, maybe having offensive run through him a little bit more. And sort of, I mean, the percentage of his baskets that are assisted right now are kind of up to the levels that he was when he was young. And he's kind of taking that to another level with really awesome three point shooting and getting a really heavy dose of awesome looks at the basket. And he's shooting at the rim a lot more than he has in years. And so I think it's also partially an embrace of like, I'm that guy. Like I'm, I'm kind of a little bit of a Rudy go bear, but I can shoot threes too, you know? And like, I'm going to be the, uh, the exclamation point on plays, not the, uh, not the subject of the plays. Um, I think that that, um, is a big part of it, and you know, with all the cryptic tweets and stuff, I do appreciate why during that time, uh, Miles Turner and I helping a lot of white people in Indiana understand what "say less" means. <laughs> if you remember that, it's I like, do actually le- remember that. It's like "say less," and they're like, "Oh, he just." I was like, "No, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, That's good. That's good. it's good. He's ready. He's locked in. He's ready to go. Like that's that. That's a good thing.
0: Yeah. Some good Hall of Fame." Pacers tweets TJ Warren's stop arguing with racist strangers on the internet is it's, the, is the standard for it's, best it's ever still,
1: still my Twitter uh, banner.
0: Is it really? That's yeah. Cool. Yeah. I have, I'll never forget it. It was so funny. It was so good. I mean, it's, just, um, but yeah.
1: it's, it's like, it, it's, just, it's almost like a, it's like a life mission statement. It's, <laughs> it's awesome. It's true. just like, just, just stop arguing with racist, strangers on the internet. Just stop. Just don't do it. Love
0: it. Oh, I love talking uh, to TJ Warren. I love talking to him. Uh, I, we have, I've conquered this topic. I've talked a lot about Turner. I have like four stories about it. And I'll have another one coming. Um, so I have nothing else to say. Dave, thank you very much for the time. This was great. Uh, we have practice with Pacers players tomorrow. Some of them will presumably talk about this. But tomorrow's podcast is with Scott Agnes. Pacers trade deadline preview stuff. We got lots to dive into. Talking about what the team could do in the next uh, yikes. Nine days, man. It's sneaking up on me fast. So you won't want to miss that. Dave, where can people follow you and your Pacers musings on the internet, which is half Pacers musings and half bike musings. Now,
1: I <laughs> it's <laughs> I'm uh, slowly venturing into uh, bicycle and transportation Twitter. And, um, that's uh, a, <laughs> that's a fun one. Um, it's at Miller time pod and, um, you can see, one particular cyclist had a GoPro on his helmet, and it was a weird traffic situation. His truck almost hit him, and some people gave him grief, and they said he did the wrong. He clearly had did nothing wrong at all, and people were like, oh, you did the wrong thing. And so he took the video, and he added the interior of a Tesla. And so it was the wheel, and it was the dashboard, and then he just had that as a frame, and then put the same footage through. And so when you watch it, you're like, oh, my God, that truck just oh i see now that you think he's a driver you understand how insane that interaction was uh it was genius uh, Bike twitter baby they will eat you alive if you say the wrong thing bike twitter does not take any prisoners man it's the whole thing it's it's, it's pretty interesting
0: I, I enjoy a good uh group of any fandom that isn't harmful on twitter so bike twitter do your thing take people down who are in your bike lane um Thank you all for listening. I'm on Twitter at t East MBA, and this podcast is at Locked On Pacers. Hope everybody had a fantastic day. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.
1: Before you use AI to transform your agency, you need to begin with trust. Introducing Watsonx Governance, helping you govern any AI as data, models, and policies change, so you can scale it responsibly. Let's create AI that begins with trust with Watson X governance. Learn more at ibm.com federal. IBM, let's create.